Hello and welcome to Slay Sunday. I'm your host, Louise Hazel, and joining me in this week's episode, I'm super excited to announce we've got one of the best NFL running backs in living history. It's Arian Foster. So, Arian, last time I saw you was on MTV's Champ vs. Stars. You were in elimination against Casper. But at this point, because, you know, the show unraveled really, really quickly for Mm -hmm. you, didn't it? yeah. What were you thinking when you realised you were going into elimination straight out the gate, like first show? What were you thinking? Uh, I, w- I remember thinking like the other side wanted me not to be there. Right. And so uh, it kind of, uh, I didn't really have like a competitive like niche in me to fight that. I was just like, because I was there for charity. I wasn't trying to show I was better than a CT or something. You know what I mean? So it was just like I was just there for charity, and I was gonna do what I could. But if I won, I won. I just, I, just, I was kind of very indifferent about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, we see you go into that elimination against Casper. Mm-hmm. Now we know Casper, despite being a dancer, is super, super athletic. Super athletic. They literally just gave you two bats yeah. and a board and was just like, smash away boys, yeah. first person to knock this thing off the top of the, another thing wins. Yeah. And you literally t- went to task. Yeah. Like that was weirdly like a really strenuous kind of activity. Talk me through it. Super. It was like we were hitting this metal star i think it was a star mm. yeah we were hitting like this metal star and i just remember it stinging the hands it was mm. just like stinging it was a metal bat too so um the vibrations were strong in the hands for sure but uh i remember uh i got off to like a, a really good start but i didn't i didn't know how much energy i was gonna have to exert in order to get it off and how tight it was gonna get the more uh closer to the end you got and so uh, I overshot my load. I I did <laughs> I did way too much at first, mm-hmm. and so by the time like I was like three fourths through, I looked at him. I was like, I'm I'm done. You were done. <laughs> like, were done. you? Was it energy system? Were you just like physically spent? Like, done? yeah, it was. Because your hands were ripped as well. Yeah, I, I tore some skin off. Um, I mean, you don't you don't notice that just because you swing and swing and swing, your adrenaline's pumping. But uh, I think it was uh, it's well it it was a endurance test. Mm-hmm. But looking looking back at it, you know that. But like in the moment, you're like, I gotta get this. It looks, there's a little screw top, so it's like I I gotta go. So yeah. you don't really have a strategy. You don't know how. You don't get to push and pull it before to see how much, like I said, energy you're gonna have to exude. So I didn't really have a game plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep. And so <laughs> deep. so uh, at that particular moment, you effectively lost the elimination to Casper and uh, your team asked you whether they were asked whether they wanted to keep you or send you home right. and they chose goodbye. Right. What were you thinking at that point? Uh, I thought it was kind of weak but, <laughs> but I understood the game, right? So I'm, I'm like, I don't hold any personal vendetta against anybody but um, it was just, it was obvious from the onset, I was like a target. So, but I didn't know because I didn't really understand the game until, until I got put in in elimination. Then I was like, okay, I get the game. It's a game. Mm-hmm. I, you forget it's a game because you're dealing with people, and that's kind of the struggle I had. Is like you're dealing with humans who are manipulating conversations in order to uh, strategize. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really understand how that how that worked. Mm. Yeah. But you learned very quickly, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was the first one out. <laughs> 
um for that experience as short as it was um how do you think you'd have fared had you have been able to stay in the show uh for longer i'd have probably won if i if i'd have known well if i'd have set my intentions right if i was like i'm here to win like and i was serious about it like i'd have won Mm -hmm. or whoever however it ended up like i would have with a partner we would have won but uh it w- you just don't you don't know what you're walking into mm-hmm. and like my intention wasn't to like win the game it was just to be there and compete for a charity or a good cause and mm-hmm. meet some cool people and that's what happened and you did i did um so i think you'd be a hard person to beat and what strikes me about you is not just your obvious physical capabilities but your mental dexterity as well Appreciate that. So let's go back. It's a nice word too. Thank you. Let's um, take it back to your sporting career. Mm -hmm. And I just wholly admitted I know nothing about football. No. No scrums. Exactly. Scrums, (laughs) rugby, whatever. (laughs) But um, to be one of the best running backs of all time and to have that attached to your name as Mm -hmm. you look back on your sporting career, how does that feel to you? Um... Oddly the same as the Champs vs. Stars thing. It's like I'm indifferent about it because it's like, um, like like you say, I'm one of the greatest of all time. It's kind of like subjective, right? So it's I've heard people say, you're my favorite running back of all time. I've heard people say, you're terrible, you're trash, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you, you build up this um, – uh, you, you become numb to opinions, mm-hmm. right? And so over the years that just – builds up to you know a, a, an average person going to work and they go to work and they and they that's their craft whether it's a they work at a cash register or whether they're a lawyer or a doctor whatever the case may be whatever you do you just i in my head i i, I rationalized rationalized it like that i likened it to that it's just that's what i did it's what i wanted to do to, as a child to take care of my family you know a lot of a lot of luck happened a lot of hard work <laughs> Um, and I got an opportunity to do that. So I don't really think of it anything as anything more than um, just I had an opportunity to uh, provide, and that's basically all it is. So I've been watching a lot of Last Chance You on Netflix. Have you okay. seen the show? I haven't. I heard about it, though. I think you'll find it very interesting. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. Um, and what strikes me is the pressure mm-hmm. that young boys, you know, in their teens are under um, right. from you know, disadvantaged backgrounds, right. the pressure upon them to provide. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you felt growing up? Yeah. You just mentioned. A hundred percent. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, growing up in the circumstances I grew up in, it's kind, it's kind of similar as that, as that show. We we were broke growing up. Didn't Where have about a lot. did you grow up? Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Not a lot of opportunity there at all. Um, uh, didn't, I mean, that's actually one of the worst states for education-wise. And so, um, and not blaming it on the system, but the school systems there aren't the the best. Um, On top of that, my mentality wasn't, let's get this 4.0 and get get to college. My my mentality was uh, seeing struggle at such a young age. um, I found my niche early. And so I was always looking for a way to escape the turmoil that was going going on in my house. And uh, I played football at pretty much all sports, but football at the age of seven, I knew, I don't know how I did, but I knew that it was going to be an avenue for me to to attempt to get out of the circumstances I was in. Mm. And so, um, yeah, growing up, I just I just pursued that with everything in me. And I had a lot of a lot of ups and downs, a lot of a lot of mistakes. Um, But 
uh, it's kind of amazing looking back, seeing a seven-year-old kid's dream being played out as a 30-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of insane, actually. But, it, you know, I saw it through. I had a lot of a good support system. And I had, um, like I said, in order to be successful, it, you have to have some luck. And there was definitely some luck involved. Mm. It's funny you mentioned that kind of knowing at the age of seven. I can remember probably being about the same age, maybe between seven and ten, when I realized there wasn't anything really else for me other than sport. Right. I knew that I was a sportswoman. Would you say that's the same kind of thing for you? No, no. I, I always loved football, mm-hmm. but it, it was always something that was, um, I never really identified with. I didn't, was, I, I didn't like to be known as a football player. Even when I was like in high school, mm-hmm. I was always interested. Like I took theater class. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was always writing music. I was always into poetry, stuff like that. Uh, it, I, I always kept uh, interest in, in other in other topics. I just didn't want to be defined by one thing. I mean, this world is such a big world, and I grew up in a small town. Moved to San Diego when I was in high school, um, and so just seeing different aspects of of how other people grew up, it 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 influenced me to keep that open mind. And so football was uh, it was just sports in general was it was a part of my youth, but it was I wouldn't necessarily say it was like I I, I couldn't never identify with it. it was like this is me. Mm-hmm. I'm a sporting guy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like only sports men and women can understand the idea or the notion that having a supreme athletic ability is both almost like a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd agree with? <clears throat> I think any kind of you know, quote-unquote gift, mm-hmm. I guess, is is like a, a, a blessing and a curse because it's something that... Um, uh, it's like anything else in life. Like it could become... Like, like an anchor and a sail is on the same boat, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be something that propels you forward or it could be something that holds you back. Cause I know a lot of cats that who fell in love with the prestige of what the uh, position that they were in brought and lost sight of, you know, future endeavors. And they're stuck in there. Like I see cats who are older than me still holding on to their glory days. And it's like, to me, that's that's the real loss. That's the real loss is like you're not evolving. Like you're just stuck in this little moment in time where you were physically capable to do whatever this sport was. Because like if you think about it, sports are kind of, kind of lame right it's just like it's like this this is like peak for your own sport oh yeah i mean i mean think, think about it though like it's just it's just like it's it's grown-ups competing in a, on a playground yeah it's just, but we're just grown up. but i mean it's there's a professionalism about it. of course i want i don't want to disrespect that aspect i mean i was one I'm, but let's be real it's like literally run as fast as you can from a to b that's all that is yeah. right and so and so from that aspect i always kept that in in context i never thought anything more of myself because I played a sport at any level because mm. it was just I'm putting the ball over a line like it's not I'm not saving lives here mm-hmm. so it sounds like there's a certain amount of humility that and you know grounding that was in you from a young age with regards to your football career and you say you know where it could take you so it said it almost like a vessel that, that could take you to other places right where do you think you got that from that kind of grounding uh I think it's just my upbringing I think when you see <laughs> you see, I had to grow up fast. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of stuff I probably shouldn't have seen when I was young. And How so? so? Uh, I grew up in a domestically violent household. I grew up in uh, a neighborhood that was, you know, gang influenced. There's a lot of drugs in the, in the community. I seen a lot of, like, you seen people OD and sh- 
crazy shit. Like, can you cuss? I can cuss. You can do what you want. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> crazy shit like that. You see that growing up, and um, I mean, I, I can't tell you if it's nature or nurture, but it was. It's one of those things where you see, um, the the things that you, um, kind of marvel over as a as as a kid, as far as like goals or th- or things like that, isn't necessarily the 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 crux of what makes you happy as a human being. And so, like, um, a lot of a lot of my issues growing up was money. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, but then I had a I had a lot of friends that had, their parents had money, but they were also in turmoil too. So I put it together young that like there has to be some kind of balance. Mm-hmm. Like it's not all about one thing or, or the other. And so, um, to bring it back to your question, like the the things that I did for a living, I knew that wasn't going to fulfill me. That's why I never really attached to it because I know a whole bunch of miserable millionaires. Um, and so there has to be that, like, what's the disconnect? And the disconnect is, is that like, we're all trying to figure out not to get all super pseudo deep on you, but like, we're all just trying to figure this shit out. Like nobody knows what we're doing. We're just here <laughs> enjoying it as much as we can. So I feel like, um, I feel like there is depth to you. I feel like there is nothing but substance. Whenever, um, you know, I, I see your posts on Instagram or whatever it is you do, I feel like it's always, there's always substance there. What is it that makes you different from what you saw growing up in Albuquerque? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm unsure. I, like, I don't, I don't try to, it's not cognizant i'm not like all right let's be deep here right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like i ha- actually hate instagram mm-hmm. but i have to use it because it's such a good tool you have a following and and like my i have a podcast on there and it's doing it's doing well i had a music project it did really well mm-hmm. and it's, be- it's all social media i didn't do a lot of promoting so um i i i don't like it because it's like this um like we only show the best of ourselves mm-hmm and like I always have jokes with my friends. It's like, like yo, when I die and you guys are at my funeral, like I don't want to hear all of this. Like, yo, he's a really good guy. Like somebody get up there and say, yo, he's a Tell piece of truth. shit. He's a piece <laughs> of shit sometimes. Like he's an asshole. He always he said the wrong things at the wrong. Like be real because like the the social media aspect of uh, is actually changing our culture. Mm. It's having a huge impact on mm. our culture, as you can see with like politics and things like that. So um, I try to be as honest as I can with it, and uh, I'm not good at it because. Um, you have to post a lot in order to keep a big following, mm-hmm. and so like I have to like remind Do you myself. Though? Yeah, if if I take that back, if you're if you're in like if you're like on in movies or television or in a sport, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. But if you're like um, trying to keep up your brand via social media, you mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard, so I'm always like trying to remind myself to post, and I just it's just not a thing that I like to do. Um, but to Bring it back to this long-winded, but um, I'm not sure that I was any different in my neighborhood that I grew up in other than I just saw the world differently. So, like, I just viewed it differently. I always looked at things in a little different light. Um, I always saw myself as a global citizen rather than just uh, communal, uh, mm-hmm. and a, a part of a small community. I always saw myself as a part of this greater whole, and mm-hmm. I think that kind of broadened my, my vision. Mm. Like having the ability to affect people, not just outside your community, but on what more national scale. Uh, not not necessarily affect people like that. More so, um, I think you have a responsibility to give 
the world the best of yourself. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the times people get caught up in the rat race of America or whatever the case may be of the society that we live in and we and we and we rob ourselves of our um potential mm. uh because we're 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 just trying to make ends meet when the reality is you you're robbing yourself but you're also robbing everybody else mm. because forever. <laughs> but i mean if if you look at like think about how many like if you look at like somebody's story like Steve Jobs right mm -hmm. Steve Jobs was a, a brilliant man but he also was lucky enough to uh be born in a place where there was computers in his little school that he mm -hmm. grew up in with yeah. when there wasn't school when there wasn't computers readily available in school so um when you look at the circumstances that people are are, are born in we're we're kind of victim to those mm -hmm. and so like when you get past a certain age where you can kind of influence your circumstances to mm -hmm. the best of your ability i think it's kind of your responsibility um to to give us that because you're essentially right how many steve jobs are out there working at mcdonald's because mm -hmm. they're just trying to make ends meet because they have a kid or whatever the case may be mm -hmm. um they didn't have the 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 tools um or the means yeah the means growing up that uh, the the advantages that other people had so it's it, i've always looked at it like that in essence it's like i gotta i gotta tap all of my potential because who knows like what i'm capable of and mm. so hopefully that is inspiring to somebody mm. and talking about potential you've i don't want to say transitioned because i feel like music has probably been in your life more than any of us are probably even aware of. For sure. Um, you've just released your first album, yeah. Flamingo and Koval, mm -hmm. of which I'm a very big fan. Oh, we appreciate and I've that. been sliding <laughs> in the old DMs just to let you know. I'm probably like maybe a weekly to monthly hey, basis. Hey, keep it coming, man. It's all good. <laughs> I'll repost. Hey. Um, so hip hop is close to what, 50 years old? And this is the first time we've yeah, seen. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. If you think about uh, who's in the game now, and you think about how old they are, it's crazy because like I'm, I grew, I'm a '90s kid, so I'm like, no, nah, that was just last generation, mm. <laughs> but it's not. Wow. Exactly. That's crazy. So, you know, with it being 50 years old, do you feel like there's a responsibility to the older artists to invest in the younger, upcoming artists? Because something you just said just resonated with me. The ability. Um, to create something whether you're steve jobs and the means to create something mm. now you're coming into i guess your music career later than mm. most because you've already you know had your career in football mm -hmm. and so let's assume that you now have the means to be an independent artist mm -hmm. do you feel therefore there is this overarching responsibility of older artists to support and spur on and finance the projects of younger artists coming through <clears throat> uh Y yes, but in a weird way. So, hip hop's like the only genre where um, you can have like generational beef, right? Mm. And it's like mm. because if you look at like like people of my generation are like, man, these new these new niggas are like, like I can't they, they don't they don't they don't understand what real hip hop is, right? Mm -hmm. And I used to feel like that mm -hmm. until I realized that what birthed hip-hop was uh, the voice of the voiceless mm -hmm. and so for me to try to control this genre that has spread worldwide is insane it's mm -hmm. asinine and so I, I had to drop that and so it's just like 
you have to more so than investing in youth you just have to accept them Mm -hmm. because the the voice of the youth is always gonna drive pop culture Mm -hmm. especially in hip-hop it has Mm -hmm. since its inception really since before that if you look at jazz and um so pop culture in our communities have, have always driven pop culture so um so do you feel like there's still a place for hierarchy in hip hop? I don't think there can be, especially now with the internet. Mm. There can't be because you you like you look at like I find a new rapper every day that has millions of followers and I've never heard of them before. So like mm. how like because there, there's no more um, control with mm-hmm. labels because mm-hmm. all you all you need now is people saying that's dope. Mm-hmm. You get enough people saying that's dope, you have a career, mm-hmm. and so you can't. You, you you can't you can't put it in a box anymore mm-hmm. and there can't be a hierarchy now it's it's like a free for all and mm-hmm. you can try to organize it as much as you want but all you need now is an audience social media and the internet has changed everything absolutely game changing now you started writing when you were what aged is it eight years old yeah, like seven eight nine and you were playing instruments as well no um we didn't have any pianos Mm-hmm. Where I grew up. <laughs> right, right. Of course you did. Uh, right. But uh, no, I uh, I started probably like 27 when I started playing piano, mm-hmm. and I just now started um, picking up the guitar. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I I play them both loosely. Piano, I'm a little more comfortable with, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to disrespect any real musicians out there. But I can, you know, not embarrass myself on. Give there. us a few keys. Yeah, there you go. Um, in your recent title series, you mentioned loneliness. Mm-hmm. Now, this was something that I um, like I kind of felt probably at the most poignant time in my sports career in literally London 2012, Olympic year, the year of all years, the year to be alive, the year where, you know, everything was culminating and leading up to. Um, what was it in your life that led you to a point of loneliness? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think... Um Um, that's a great question. Spill the tea. I will spill the tea. Um, I think in America we say beans. Yep, those two. <laughs> beans and tea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think loneliness for myself, anyway, uh, kind of stems from uh, acceptance, self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think far too often we try to portray and we try to keep up with that portrayal of ourselves um and that's a lonely world and i think like one of my favorite quotes is this it's um i forget who said it but they said like in your 20s um you care about what everybody thinks about you Mm-hmm. And in your 30s, you stop caring about what everybody thinks about you. And in your 40s, you realize nobody was actually thinking about you. <laughs> and that's kind of the, and I guess I kind of matured a little faster in that sense, where it's like, I got that around late 20s, early 30s, where I was like, nobody like nobody sits at home and thinks, I wonder what Arian's doing, or Arian did this, or Arian did that, or Lulu did it. Like, nobody, mm-hmm. nobody really cares. Like, you might be the topic of discussion mm. at that point in time. Mm. You might be trending or whatever the case may be, but nobody actually cares. Like, it's mm. a real rare thing for somebody to actually care about what you're doing in your life. So, um, uh, to bring it back, that, that loneliness comes from, like, you're trying to keep up with this image. And that's mm. that, I, I, I fell victim to that. I tried to keep up with this image that I portrayed. I wanted to be a family man. I wanted to be this. I wanted to be that. I wanted to be viewed as intelligent. I wanted to be viewed as all of this shit that really, at the end of the day, 
who you doing this for? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing this for? Mm-hmm. And that um, that it's a little it's a it's a cyclical thing because you, you're just you're just chasing your tail. You mm-hmm. have no idea who or what you're doing it for. When like that self vindication is really what matters at the end of the day. And no matter who you are, you could be whatever. Barack Obama, you could be Donald Trump, Mother Teresa, Gandhi. There are going to be people who hate you. Like mm-hmm. no matter, you could be the most peaceful human on earth, and somebody's gonna be like, "Man, fuck that dude." Mm-hmm. That just is what it is. Yeah. And so you have to be comfortable with the fact that not everybody, you're not for everybody, and everybody's not for you. Perfect. And once you live, once you once you understand and accept that, like it's like a weight that was lifted off myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened was, and I spilled beans. So what happened was. Uh, I was married, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, I was trying to, and I did that for the wrong reasons. I was trying to be the best father I could and not have my daughter fly back and forth across the pond. Um, uh, and uh, trying to, and I was in the height of my NFL career. Wrong thing to do. I wasn't nowhere near ready to be married. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, what age were you when you got married? 24. Mm-hmm. Something like, yeah, 24. Like, you Americans, too, you get married young. Well, it was just, it was just so, social pressures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a, I had a, I had a daughter with a woman who was from Germany mm-hmm. and um, uh, I would say I loved her, but I wasn't in love with her. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had a lot of love for her, loved her. And so I convinced myself I was enough to be like, all right, let's get married to keep my daughter here in the States. Right. Um, like and my one of my best friends always says sometimes doing the right thing ain't the right thing. Yeah. And so I ended up having a another child with another woman on the side and uh in the height of my career. So it was like it was like on TMZ. It was like the all that mm-hmm. all the works. And so for a long time I was like down on myself and listening to pe- people say and you're this and you're that and after a while I was like man fuck these people mm-hmm. who are these people right and so but that that led me to understand that at the end of the day all that matters is the first two rows in your funeral like who are those, who are those people going to be as long as to them you're a solid human being mm-hmm. and the rest of these people don't matter at all because mm-hmm. it's just opinions and they don't really know nobody's going to sit down and have a conversation with you mm-hmm. and I think I felt like if you really did sit down and have a conversation with me you understand I'm a good human being and we're all just out here mm-hmm. um, but that's that's really what led me to the revelation of, of the peace that I have in my life now mm, deep yeah I don't know if you want to get that deep but well, no, I love it and the weird thing that you were saying you know I think the added pressure of when you are a sporting icon mm-hmm. um, and you are heralded by so many people in your country, it's almost like there are certain things you just can't do mm-hmm. or there are certain things that you just can't say. Right. Um, and so I feel like there's you're almost like a dichotomy. Yeah. So you have almost this alter ego now, mm-hmm. Bobby Fino. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this alter ego. Well, I don't like to define it as an alter ego. Per se, because um, it's still me. I think it's just um, I always view myself kind of like as a narrator of my own life, mm-hmm. and I, I always uh, wrote everything down that's happened to me in a in an artistic fashion, like it would be poetry or whatever the case may be. Um, and it's just something that uh, was always a part of me. And I finally, I've always, I've I've recorded thousands of tracks, like mm-hmm. thousands, um, since I was a kid, and so. I, I never got a chance to really put the love into the music I felt like that music deserves because mm. now music is so kind of disposable and accessible. You can make anybody can make a uh, an album if they want to, but to do it in a way that um, people who do it for a living 
uh, respected. That was my goal. And mm-hmm. so that that has happened. So people who I've admired for years, decades, have reached out to me, unbeknownst to me, and been like, yo, this is this this is legit. And that's that's the most validation I can have. But um yeah, so the so the music side of, of, of who I am is is probably the bigger side of who I am. It's just uh it was it I, as a kid growing up, that was more far fetched to me than playing ball. Mm-hmm. So I went for the ball first. Got you. Yeah. So Bobby Fino is Arian Foster or is Bobby Fino different from Arian Foster? No, they're the same. I just hate how Arian Foster sounds. I hate that name. <laughs> I hate that name. That name was awful, man. Uh, uh, I told I told my mom it did that too. I hate my name. Would you ever change it? We're actually thinking about that as a family. I don't think you should. Yeah, yeah not Arian. <laughs> Maybe not Arian, but um, Foster at least. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I mean, it's a slave. What would name. it end up being? We don't know. We're we're thinking about that because like okay. it it is a slave name, not to be all mm-hmm. uh, super bulkish, but like if you trace your lineage back, yep. then you got the name yeah, of your slave owner. Yeah, the slave plantation owner. So it's like it's a really weird thing actually when you think about it. Mm. Like a lot of I think our communities in America, our black communities in America, mm-hmm. that our problem selves uh, stems from uh, identity crisis problems. Mm. So like when you think about like you pride in your heritage, like we don't really have that here. Mm-hmm. Like we just don't have it. Like yeah. it just stems from a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, as opposed th- to homegrown roots. Yeah, mm-hmm. like one of my boys. Uh, he's from uh, he's from East East Africa and Uganda. Mm-hmm. And like he has he, he knows who his father was and his grandfather and their grandfather and that they, they yeah. their their village and their tribe traces back and their name means something yeah. to them. And there's almost a pride in that. There is a, there's a hundred percent of pride in that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when like you hear him talk about his family and his father, he's like I'm a Lu- I'm a, his last name is Lukanga. He's like I'm a Lukanga, mm-hmm. and like I, I can't be like I'm a Foster. Like what the mm-hmm. fuck does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because we've seen all the other Fosters and they don't look like you. They don't look like me. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. Um, so I'm going to um, talk you through a couple of the lyrics. I want a little breakdown. Some of my favorite f- tracks on the album, Two. Lips, featuring oh. Jack Freeman. Now, I know this is a favorite yeah. for all the ladies out there. If you haven't heard it, <laughs> it is fire. Um, <clears throat> so top of the table is possibly questionable infidelity. <laughs> if I kissed you today, would I cross the line? Mm. So what's that about? I wish I could take credit for that line, but I didn't write his. Ugh. I didn't write his his portion of it. He mm-hmm. he wrote that. So well I done, Jack. I, you know, Jack is the man. So I don't I don't want to take credit. Well done, for Jack. That. You're the bomb. I'll yeah. be coming at you some questions real soon. For sure, hit him up. Okay, so I'm sitting inside your prison. I'm sitting inside your prison. Prison, wishing <laughs> I look at me all tongue tied. I'm a hot man. <laughs> I'm a hot man. <laughs> I'm sitting inside nice. your prison, wishing I get convicted. Lock me up and throw away the key. Talk to me about that. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, that's that's basically saying it's just like your desire to 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 want and mm. to and to to fall for. So that that it was written with, with like in a lustful context, but also in a non-lustful context. Do you know? Because I felt when I'm listening to the song, I feel like <laughs> it's all about temptation. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, what in your what are you thirty one? Thirty one years of growth and development what's the one thing that you've learned about relationships that uh to just be open and honest i've i've 
I don't want to sound so I've preyed on a lot of women. I mean, it was all consensual. I'm not a rapist, <laughs> but like, I, <laughs> but like I when I said what I mean by that was I preyed on a lot of women. Is a lot of emotionally scarred women were my target when I was in the mindset of trying to get what I wanted to get, which mm-hmm. was just sexual pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's usually the 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 behavior of a narcissist is like you take advantage of people's vulnerabilities in order to execute. I mean, and we're kind of doing it to each other. That's what I noticed in my relationships mm-hmm. uh, period. And so what I've, what I've learned was that you don't get a lot of real meaningful um, interactions until you really care enough about yourself mm-hmm. um, to uh, protect that, Energy. And I don't want to sound corny with energy, but it's a real it's a real thing to protect that um, what what you're portraying and what you're giving off to people. Um, and that's the biggest lesson I've learned mm-hmm. in in my trials. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. Amen. I'd rather pray to Jesus than Jesus. At least that eager can get me some new Adidas. Yeah. Is this? I was kind of like, is this an kind of fuck you to religion or is it an F you to like social commentary where's this one coming from it's, it's more amen the track is, is more it's like a satirical poke at religion mm-hmm. it's not really a fuck you because um, I mean I've wavered back and forth on this I think society needs religion for mm-hmm. the simple fact that I don't think um, the majority of human beings spend enough time or have enough time to think about why they think about what they think about um so so like i i've i've literally thought myself into panic attacks about world problems about religion about philosophy like i just care about what's true and what's not true mm-hmm. and i don't think enough people do and mm-hmm. I, and i used to hold that against people right and so um this is just more like a poke fun at it in a in a satirical way but done in, in, in what I feel is a clever way. Mm. Um, kind of taking the first half of the song is kind of taking the side of like a religious person. Yeah. But kind of showing you the uh, contradiction in, in believing in some of the things that, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just the logical inconsistencies in believing in that stuff. So mm. um, that's basically the rundown of that song. So it leads me to question right now on this very day mm. in whatever month we're in in 2018, where does your faith lie? Uh, I don't think that faith is necessarily a good thing. I don't because I don't think there's any position that you can't take based on faith. Mm-hmm. Right. So like um, if, like. If whether it's religiousness, mm-hmm. religiosity, whatever that word is, um, or uh, like evil behavior, like what what can you not justify on faith? Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's a it's a reliable way to live life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I understand why people have faith, and I understand where religion comes from, and it's kind of that that fear of the unknown. Um, and I used to be a little bit more militant with it, but I, 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 I get it now. I understand it. But as far as like right now, I just don't feel like faith is a very, um, reliable way to, to traverse through life. Mm. 
Interesting. Delicately put, I love it. Um, would you still pray to Jesus after all the tea he's been spilling recently? <laughs> that was yeah. I definitely wrote. I wrote that in like 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't as uh, he wasn't really a, a part of the MAGA crowd. It's politically vocal. Yeah, but it's more. It's it's more so. It's more. It's less about Kanye and more about the historical figure of mm-hmm. Jesus. So it's like I'm. What I'm saying is basically, I'd rather buy into something that's real tangible that I can touch, see, hear, test, taste mm-hmm. rather than something that is being told to me that's uh, tangible. Have you um, listened to the album, to Ye? Yeah. And did you like it? I loved it. Mm. I loved it. Now, I'm not, I'm not like a, an advocate of what he says mm-hmm. uh, all the time, but I, I, I take it with a grain of salt, right? I know I, like he like said all these controversial things, but I'm like, why are we investing so much energy into what Kanye thinks about politics? I don't understand it. Like, yeah, he's, he's not a politician. Well, he's openly said he doesn't read books. Yeah. So it's like, I so think therefore. I think he's a I think he's a music genius. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think he's talent. He's brilliant. But that doesn't mean he's a scientist. That doesn't right. mean he's an yeah. economist. Would, would you allow him to shoot you on a rocket up into space? Him just to shoot. because he believes exactly, he could exactly <laughs> exactly right. So it's, right. It, I, you just take it with a grain of salt. Like he makes great music. Like mm-hmm. like the message. I might not agree with his music, but it's done in a sonically beautiful way. Mm-hmm. So it's like I just I just respect the music that he's given me. I, I can separate the art from the artist, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have to uh, buy into his his ideologies in order to enjoy the boom boom claps he makes. Right? Yeah, yeah. I Producer think, Raph had a moment. Um, he's kind of been it's been an up and down year for producer Raph and his feelings about Kanye I feel like we're coming to the end of it now though he's pulling through he's pulling through (laughs) excellent I get it though I get it he's like a he was a he was like a hero to us he went from saying George Bush don't care about black people to to vote for Donald Trump exactly so that that inconsistency I get but what I'm saying is Either way, all that says is either way, you shouldn't be getting your political ideals from Kanye West. Mm-hmm. You just shouldn't. Like, right. accept what he what he gives us as far as music mm-hmm. and just don't take it any further than that. Know thyself. Anybody? Know thyself is the, I think, is the lesson from that one. Well, well. Um, suicide Note. Mm. So this is, I feel like it's the last song on the album. It is. Oh, check me out. Absolute fangirl. <laughs> um couple of lines i just want to connect they just want to collect so mm. you touched upon this i feel earlier that's one of my favorite lines of the album by the way it's dope yeah but i kind of one of the things that was literally playing on my mind since you were talking about relationships earlier and perhaps you know seeking out people who were emotionally vulnerable mm. in an emotionally vulnerable place one of the words i was thinking was is there an element of a kind of almost a two-way exploitation yeah there 100% and what does this is this in relation to relationships or is this relation to what's this <coughs> pertaining that, that's to that's not necessarily um relationships like uh intimacy mm-hmm. that's more so about uh, just personal relationships and how um in, in essence i i'm trying to just connect with people and when you're in a certain like when i'm in a position that i was in or am in when you have like what people view as value, which is money, right? Mm. So like I'm a multimillionaire. I've done things for my life that I'll never have to work again. Awesome. Brap. Okay, we stunt. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the thing about it is you get pulled from all this, all, this, all these different directions. Mm. And so when you say, 
I just want to connect. They just want to collect. It's like a lot of the interactions you have are, are so disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And so that. It's almost like an extraction. Yeah. It it, it, ta- it takes from you. And, and it, what, it, what it did for me and what I'm actively, proactively trying to disassemble now is my pessimism. Right. Mm-hmm. It's because I, I see so much of it and I, 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 it's hard for me to. To see, uh, especially in this, I hate to say it, but like it's in this country. Are you pessimistic or are you a cynic? Because I feel like the two. Explain to me the explain to me the difference. So a cynic is a person who kind of sees the wood for the trees, sees things for as they are, mm-hmm. and isn't afraid to kind of comment on them. However, because most of people, most people in life live in the dark they can be seen as pessimistic. So mm-hmm. they can be seen as always looking at things from a negative perspective when a cynic is basically like, no, of course, like they're just doing it for the likes or you know what I mean? You're just so basically can, so telling... So can you be a cynic and not cynical? Mm, if you stay silent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not telling you about it. Uh, well, I, th- I think that's the juxtap- juxtaposition I'm in right now. I'm, uh-huh. I'm trying to find that balance where... Yeah, I see that. I see the ills of the world. Um, and you want to be, do you want to be vocal about them or are there things that you feel like? I feel like it's irresponsible not to be vocal about them. Mm. Um, how else, is, how else is the, are things going to change, right? Mm. So, I mean, that's basically what I've learned is if you want to change the world, change your world. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to clean up my world. But in order to clean up my world, I have to get over this. I... I, I I used to call it pessimism, but when you put it like that, I guess I never really actively looked at the word pessimism. I just took it for the context. So pessimism. Because you don't strike me as a person who is surrounded by negativity. Like you talk about the things like, you know, the background and where you've come from. I feel like you're a person that sees good and opportunity. I don't think you see the negative in everything. See, okay, so I guess I am a pessimist. I think you see the real in everything. Well, that's... How can you unmarry those? How can you divorce those? Mm. How can you divorce the negative and the cynical flimsiness of mm-hmm. this world? Like, how can you? So when I say like, I, I just want to connect, they just want to collect. It's mm-hmm. like we're speaking two different languages, but we're communicating with each other. Mm. And that's the disconnect. Mm. Um and that's the struggle I have with life right now. There's a part of me that feels like that's also quite hopeful as well. So that's where I see the optimism. I feel like you're a person that is like, we'll call out the bullshit in the world in hope of better for not just, you know, your own life, but also the next generation of Aryan fosters or whatever their names in the future. <laughs> Can you hope for the best, but know that it's not going to come? Always. That's what well, that's me. I hope I hope it happens, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. Oh, now you're just being pessimistic. <laughs> that's, that's 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 the issue I had. I do, I don't see, I don't see it. I don't see how, especially how self indulging this generation is, mm. and what has spawned from it. It's like such a me me looking like selfie like generation. Mm. Um. And that's just the microcosm. Like, mm. would you look at it even in context of 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 our structure of our society is capitalism. Mm. Like, capitalism is the best known form of economic system we can come up with, but it's it's going to have winners. It's going to have losers, mm. and it has to have losers in, in order for there to be winners. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's hard for me to sit and say, yeah, everybody's going to be great, but you're not. It's hard for me to talk to a group of kids and say, you, you're going to be great. The percentages say that 70% of you are going to be below average. Mm -hmm. mm. That's tough for me to stomach. That's a hard reality. Yeah, and that's the shit I walk around with. Is that something that we <laughs> should be letting our kids know, though? Uh, I let my kids know that, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't let them how know. Is it then that we, how is it that we became effectively that 1%? Because in my mind, I'm kind of like, as a child, would I want to know that 75, you know what I mean? Would I want to be told that? from the get-go well, well, I, I because think, I think we almost are told that yeah well see I, I, you gotta be careful with your your children mm. the children's mind so you don't want to sit here and convey to them your like, percentage wise you're probably not gonna make it nah what you wanna do is you wanna build up uh, their confidence mm. and everything that they're good at you wanna make them feel like they're the best at be realistic with them but understand like you know what actually changed my mind about this and this is why people always like oh you you're not going to change your mind via Twitter or is that, that's bullshit. My mind was actually changed through a tweet one time and it was, I ended up being one of my good friends that actually lives here in LA. And, uh, I didn't even know him at the time. I was just following him. And, um, they were talking about, um, I think my daughter had drew some fish mm -hmm. or something like that. And I was telling them how like, no, I, I keep it a buck with it. Like, I was like, that's not what a fish looks like. Like, here's a fish. Like, try to draw what a fish looks like. And he's like, why are you trying to stifle her creativity? Like, who are you to tell her what a fish looks like? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. That's 100% accurate. Like, mm -hmm. you can't stifle their creativity. Now, you want to be realistic with them, but, like, in, in in essence, like, that one is coming, like, the art or something like that. Like, don't stifle that. Like, let them be imagine, imaginative. Like, you're just putting mm -hmm. your little box into, like, what you think a fish should look like. Like, mm -hmm. like let her design whatever fish she wants. And that kind of changed my mind as far as, like, how to raise your child. Because I was going to be super, like, yo, this is it. You either work hard or you're broke. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. But it's just, like... You have to cultivate their imagination or else there really is no hope That's for change. Right. Or else you're just going to breed a whole bunch of little workers. Yeah. All drawing the same damn fish. All drawing the same fish. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you literally touched upon just briefly, commodity love. One of my favorite songs on the album, <laughs> Watermelon Sunrise. Watermelon Sunrise. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's fine. I appreciate it. It just man. makes me feel like it's summer. That's, that, was the, that was the goal. So, so you talk about commodity love. What do you think it is about society today that leads us to pursue these transactional relationships, whether that be between male, woman, do you know what I mean? Whether it be, you know, um, personal relationships. What do you think that is? When you have, um, when, you're, when you're constantly searching for outside validation, that means you're not very self-confident in yourself. And so I think that's what a lot of this generation is. And what we try to do is um, we like to pretend. Oh, I have, I'll, I'll read it after this. It's one of my favorite things I've written actually. Yeah. Um, so we like to pretend um, that we have it together. Um, knowing we don't. And knowing, I'll just read it. Mm. <laughs> I'll just read it. Um, I wrote, and it's actually writing lines crazy this year. So it said, so it's it's like a little, I guess like a freestyle poem. I don't know what everyone calls it. Hit me with it. I'm ready. Got you. So, so it says, I'm afraid of myself. I'm afraid I'm exactly, I, 
I'm gonna start over. I'm afraid of my, I'm afraid of myself. I'm afraid I'm exactly what I hate about this place. So the times I'm unsure, I pretend, and I can pretend with the best of them. And I know they know I'm pretending, cause they're pretending too. I pretend to like things. I pretend to love things. I pretend to understand. I can't remember the I can't remember the day I stopped being a kid. Like what day did sex make me more happy than my imagination? Back when bitches had cooties, but bitches never had cooties. Cause when bitches had cooties, bitches weren't bitches. We just played into we just played in forever until the bell rung. That's it. I want to live in forever because forever is only for a while. So like that's I wrote Wicked. that. I appreciate it. No, no. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I, I wrote that shit at like four in the morning one night because uh-huh. I couldn't. I couldn't get over the like I was sitting there. It was like recent. It was like two months ago actually, mm-hmm. and I was texting one of my one of my best friends. Like he was in New Jersey, and I was like waking him up. I was like, "Yo," because he's like so self self centered, but not in that way. He's like a centered human being. Like he's centered himself. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was just hitting him with question after question. I was just up at night because I, I I couldn't get over the fact of how selfish of a human being I was. Mm. Um, and so I'm always trying to attack those angles. Um, and to bring it back to your point is we're so self-absorbed, but we don't love ourselves enough to be satisfied with the human beings that we are. So we seek outside attention. We seek outside validation. And that shit is slowly killing us. Mm-hmm. It's it's in my opinion anyway. I don't, know, I don't have it all figured out, but that's just how I view the world. And so like shit like there's like, it's pretending like we all pretend mm-hmm. like i pretend but it's just like admitting you pretend is is probably taboo mm-hmm. but it's, it's it's honesty and i think the more you admit it uh the more you can not pretend there's something about that made me really feel it took me kind of back i guess to images of childhood and just being free mm-hmm. and i was just like oh my gosh yeah. it made me want to just go play in the playground that's exactly should we do that after this Let's just it's go hit the swing. Shit outside. Let's though. just go hit the swing. Okay, let's hit that. Stop outside. it. Okay. We'll hit the swing. It's hot as hell, though. Done. <laughs> Deep. What's your favorite song on the album? And um, tell me why. Okay. Um, I think my favorite song. I I, I got two. Mm-hmm. So it's either. It's either. Got it. Mm-hmm. Or wine bottles and cheese. Mm-hmm. And. Interesting. Wine bottles and cheese is very jazzy. It's super jazzy. Uh, The reason why I love that one, and it's because um, no hip hop is being made like that, Mm. and so it's 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 fusing like 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 really soulful jazz Mm. instrumentation. Like those are real musicians that played that. Like Mm -hmm. strings. um, Yeah, no samples. Strings, horns, pianos, uh, drums. It was was all real. uh, but it was it's 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 kind of being told as this like um, this struggle between prestige and and not being where you want to be in life and mm-hmm. kind of going back and forth and then having this like aha moment like when you reach the top of the mountain and realize like oh shit there there is no there like mm-hmm. that's that's what that feeling is like um, but then God it is more. Um, kind of of the same, but like towards the the end when the beat switches up, which is one of my favorite transitions ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, it's really personal, so it's just like really telling you how I feel about the, the situations that I've been through. Mm, deep. One of the things you mentioned on the album is 
I'm coming after Jay, man, there's nothing I fear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Lay the smack down. Um, <laughs> has Jay heard the album? Uh, I think he has. And the reason why I think he has is because I had to get a uh, Jay-Z sample cleared. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... He we used his voice on a song called "A Friend of Fan of Kid," mm-hmm. and yep. um, his, and Kanye as well. Yeah, so. Kanye. So both of them had to clear it, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know their clearing processes, but that's actually how we got hooked up with Title. Mm-hmm. Is they heard it and they said, "Hey, we want to be a part of the rollout," yep. and so they helped us roll it out. So amazing. Yeah, it was pretty dope. So I hope he did. Beautiful. I'm sure he has. I mean, I yeah, I'm sure he has. That's dope. Um, what was I going to say? So that kind of fearlessness to tread transition from the sporting world over into the music world and be out there and just say, do you know what? There's nothing I fear here. It's all on the table. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? That feeling with your music, that confidence? I think it's in the same uh, category as the confidence I had on the football field. I remember vividly having this thought of when I was first stepping on the field as a rookie and I saw all these pro bowlers and I saw all these dudes that I just I used to watch growing up or in college I used to watch them like holy shit that's so and so and uh I remember thinking they got to put their pants on one leg at a time just like I do and I don't know what they were doing this off season but I was working my ass off like I was up 5:30 in the morning training till 7:30 at night like there's nothing that they're doing that I'm not doing mm-hmm. so it's I'm confident in what I can do, and so it's the same thing with my music. It's I I, I understand music. I'm a student of this shit. I've I've loved it for since I was a ch- since I was a child. I've been writing since I was a child, so I understand. I yeah, I studied. I understand. I am big pentameter. I know all these different flows. I mm-hmm. get what people are doing. I understand what you're trying to convey, and so I've been working on my pen since I was a kid. And so when I put that together, mixed with the musicianship that I've been able to work with and the ideas that I have I just feel like I can compete with you Mm -hmm. it's just about marketing at this point that's just how I feel Mm. it's so interesting to me because I must admit on the days when I felt my very strongest in Mm -hmm. battle in hurdling in sprinting is the day I felt the most prepared because mm-hmm. I look back at my preparation and I'm like, yeah, there's nothing I could have done mm-hmm. better. Yep. I might have been ill for a couple of days, mm-hmm. but in terms of me putting my socks on, going to work every day, all yeah. the work is done. Today's literally mm-hmm. just about execution. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that all the time, especially in football. I used to think that all the time. Like, I remember thinking, I remember vividly thinking this one day we was playing, we were playing the um, Pittsburgh Steelers on a Sunday night, mm-hmm. and my body was just sore, and I was like. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I mentally had it because I was just exhausted from that season. And we had like a, a stretch where I was just getting the ball a lot. And we had to stretch and I was just like exhausted. But I remember thinking like my preparation will take me through this game. Mm. And I had a great game. And just the rest, that's all training is. Training is just training your body to uh, for repetition and to be second nature. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And mm-hmm. so it's like it's second nature. It comes like you if you put in the work. The results will come. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, it's really just a matter of you if you trust the process enough to um, weather the storm. Yeah, it, it's and a little harder in like music though mm. because it's it's a little more subjective. And how so? Uh, in football or track, if you run a certain time, if you run fast enough, that's objectively mm-hmm. verifiable. Like. It is what it is. Like you, I'm gonna outrun you. Like yep. that's just objective. You're the best in the field. Whereas music is, 
I feel like I had one of the best albums of the of the, of the year in hip hop. I would I would definitely I appreciate agree. That. I appreciate that, but and it's not. I'm not just saying that because it was mine, but like I put it. It took around three years to create and put mm. together. Like that wine bottles and cheese song probably went through like six or seven different transformations. So like there's so much care and love that went into it, but that's why I'm so confident about it is because I understand the work I put in. But um, is the public gonna feel? like that right so it's mm -hmm. more of a subjective taste and so i feel like the grind is the same but it's just a longer it's just a mm -hmm. it's just a longer wait because i feel like people if, if you give it a chance you're like okay this is dope but they want to say okay well can you do it again and then can you after a while it'll become undeniable and that's where your fan base grows like i have mm -hmm. a small fan base i can tour i'm, I'm about to try to go on tour mm -hmm. um uh, like like a small little tour. And when like, are you starting? Uh, we're we're still up. It's up in the air right now, but we're looking around Thanksgiving. We're trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's that's small. Like I'm not gonna sell out no stadiums right now. Like nobody believes in it, right? And mm -hmm. so, but that's where that grind comes in. Is like you continually believe in yourself until like if you don't, who will, right? So you but you keep, you keep pushing until you make people believe. I feel like your album is is literally like a diamond in the rough. It's literally one of those things you find and you're like, how do I not know about this? I appreciate it. And when you do know about it, you literally cannot put it down. I remember um, buying the album and I was just like, oh, just be supportive or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we did a show together. You know I mean, I've got you, brother. <laughs> Go buy yourself a little sleigh hat. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I'm like putting this on and my boyfriend's like, who's that? I'm like, it's Arian. He's like, Arian here. I'm like, the guy's just on the show. And I was just like, he's like, play that track again. And I'm like, oh my God. That's love, man. It was like... That's love. Like, I, I cannot, like, I'm a fan. It's that's, a simple No, that's, that's so much love. And yeah. the, the reason why I respect it so much is because it's like, in, in order to, like, wow people in my position, mm -hmm. it has to be 20 times better than anybody else that's coming right. out with things because it's exactly. like okay you used to play ball you, yeah. of course you're gonna make music everybody makes music mm -hmm. but in order for, to change somebody's mind it has to be like sonically wowing like it really does and so i understand that and so that's why like when people say like yo like you blew my mind because mm -hmm. the expectation was probably like this is gonna be probably shit yeah but it's it's just not and that's that's what i love about it it's like if anybody gives it an honest listen so it's good music man one of the things i remember saying to my friend was you would have never have known that he'd played football right. and the reason i say that is because football like you know music like football is something to be you know very few people can just pop up and be excellent at it right. and this is clearly something that you have grafted at and perfected mm -hmm. and everything do you know what i mean what you have mm -hmm. is a beautiful finished product right. that yeah is easily in the top five i appreciate easily it, man, man that's that's love like it means a lot like it really does because i mean the the journey is like i have songs that i'm not proud of like <laughs> growing up they're mm -hmm. fucking awful they didn't make it <laughs> they're, they're, they're awful like growing up I, I have a lot of sh like you're just trying to find yourself as an artist mm. um and i, I the, the how i knew i was like okay, it's time to release a project mm. was when, you know, you, you anything, anytime you do anything that you love, like you pass it to your inner circle, right? Whether yeah. it's music or whatever the case may be, your drawings or whatever, you're like, pass it to your inner circle and everybody's like, oh, this is dope, man, it's cool, awesome. And then as the years went and I'm passing it to my inner circle, like the reaction started to change. Mm -hmm. It started to go from, oh, this is cool, man, to like, yo, I will bump this, like, mm -hmm. like, if you did it or if you didn't do it, I would bump this. Mm -hmm. So 
that okay. kind of changed my mind to like, well, maybe, maybe people need to hear this, man. Mm. Um, was there any point, any, did you feel any pressure at any point to kind of conform to the type of music we're hearing right now? Trap music, mumble rap. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll never like mumble rap as far as like, like get it with the auto tune. Like that's just not my style. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, and I used to like loathe it. I used to hate it, right? I used to hate it. But like we were having a conversation earlier, it's like you can't control where hip hop is growing to, mm-hmm. and it's just gonna, it's a sub, it's a genre. Like great music, in my opinion, is still being made, and mm-hmm. that music might not be for me. But it's like, who am I to judge what music is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I never felt any pressure to conform. I think um, this next project, I, I definitely want to stretch and see what I can do mm-hmm. artistically. Because um, uh, I, I think this project, my goal was like, let me show people I can actually rap, mm. but not like corny rap. I can act, I have something to say. I, I can structure words in a way that's poetic. Now I want to stretch a little bit more artistically and really show you my side of myself so i'm excited about this next project that we're, we're starting to work on oh yeah. yeah i'm excited yeah, um <laughs> so when we met you were playing for the arian foster family foundation mm-hmm. um tell me a little about your charity and how you set it up uh that charity is what we what we really aim to do is a couple specific goals is we want to teach uh, financial literacy to kids mm-hmm. in inner city neighborhoods. And we also want to um, help out struggling families as much as we can. Um, uh, and we also want to provide f- uh, healthy food options to kids mm. uh, in food deserts or in inner city neighborhoods that don't really have access to those foods. So we work on a lot of those. Uh, is there anywhere in particular that you visited that's in a particular particularly dire need well if you look in in most major cities in america there there are things called food deserts Mm. where neighborhoods aren't necessarily surrounded by grocery stores with Mm -hmm. with good food Mm. so there's like they just have gas stations with snacks and things like that packaged everything's packaged and so uh it's it's trying to try it's so i partner with a lot of companies that try to get snacks that are healthy to kids. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily trying to play like this moral hierarchy of you should eat better, but it's just like giving kids options because mm-hmm. there are options out there. Um, trying to work with school districts to, to change the, the lunch menus, things like that. Um, uh, we're, we're a small organization, but you know, we've, we've done a lot of good. Like when, um, one of the things I'm most proud of is like when we, when that Black Panther movie came out, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was so important for young black kids to see themselves represented in a superhero. Mm-hmm. I never saw that growing up. Yeah. Closest thing we had, I think, was Spawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that wasn't like a superhero Not movie. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or Meteor Man. And, <laughs> and uh, I thought it was important to see themselves represented in a major motion picture mm-hmm. uh, like that. And it was a powerful, impactful movie. And as you saw, I think it did like a billion in the box office or something yeah. like that. And it's like, on, and overseas, it's like a 700 or 800 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's doing way more than anybody expected it to. And so what we did, we bought out two movie theaters and invited a whole bunch of young black kids, middle school, high school kids to uh, come see the movie just together and just feel that empowerment. I thought that was important. So like we, we do. How we, did they react? Were you there? Yeah, I was there. I was there. We took, we had a whole video and, and everything. I don't think we put it out though, but yeah, it was dope, man. Just to see the smiles on their faces and just to see, um, it's just to them it's normal mm-hmm. I grew up I had a black president I grew up 
Uh, you know, I have. Do you a think they know how special it is? I don't think maybe not till they're older. I mean, maybe maybe some of them, mm-hmm. but like, <clears throat> I remember watching Barack Obama get. Uh, elected and while i wasn't as emotionally invested in i understood the impactfulness of the moment right. um and whether i agree with his policies or not or whoever it's not it's not even about that it's about um now young black kids there's no there's no more barriers no more ceiling mm. and um those are the kinds of things people are fighting for now is to eradicate those barriers barriers and ceilings and uh there is progression i know social media can make it seem like the world is is falling, but if you look, you know, high school dropout rates are down, teen pregnancy is down, drug usage is down, um, all major categories of like life expectancy is up. <clears throat> so it's like the world is actually progressing. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to be fought for, but there's also a lot to be proud of that we've um, achieved. Indeed. Talking about bringing barriers down, we're going to enter into the last part of our show, which is called All That and a Bag of Limes. We don't have any limes. Right. What I do have are a few quick fire questions. Sure. Um, so, <clears throat> most underrated and most overrated in the rap game? Oh, man. Wait. Most overrated? T. Yeah, that's <laughs> tough. I, I'm, I'm going to say this like really reluctantly. Mm-hmm. Because I still love him, I just, I just don't think his music aged well. And this is merely opinion. I still think he's one of the greatest to ever do it. But uh, Eminem to me is kind of overrated, and I think mm. I, he was in my top five. But when I double back on his catalog, uh, catalog, uh, his music just doesn't age well to me. Mm. Like I still respect what he did. I think he's a dope lyricist. I think his his subject content um, was a little monotone. Mm. Um, but I think when he wanted to, he could pin with the best of them. So mm-hmm. he's still one of my favorite lyricists. I just think he's a little overrated. Got you. Most underrated by far is um, is a dude named Isaiah Rashad. Mm. Isaiah Rashad. He's he's on TDE. He's underneath Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. He's one of the, he's one of the best out. Period. How he's old like, is he? He's like in my time. How old is he? He's probably like twenty five, twenty six. Mm-hmm. He's like one of my favorite out. Period. And mm-hmm. of all time though. You heard it here first. Greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, Snog, Marry, Avoid. This is basically like the English version of Fuck, Marry, Kill. Okay. Snog. Like, so I have to, when I do this in English, like I have to explain the categories. Snog is like kiss. Marry is obviously marry. And avoid is swerve. Snog. Say it one more time. Snog. Snog. Marry. Marry. Swerve. Yeah. Snog, Snog Marry, Swerve. swerve. Okay. So all female rappers. Wait, what's snog again? Snog is kiss. Kiss, okay, gotcha. Yeah, kiss. So we've got Cardi B. Cardi B. Nikki. Nikki. Little Mama. Little Mama. All right. Snog. We know Little Mama. This ain't fair. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> That's tough. All right, I'm a. Uh, damn. I'm a. Snog is kiss. Yep. French kiss. From <laughs> I'm definitely in a relationship. Uh, <laughs> snog is. I'm gonna have to go with um, Cardi. Yep. I love Cardi B. I'm gonna marry Lil Mama. That's my dog. Aww. And then I'm gonna swerve Nikki. Any particular reason? I mean, you can't. One of them got to be swerved. One's got to be swerved. Against Nikki. Okay. <laughs> On another day, another yeah, time, maybe. Mama, you know what I mean? Man. Maybe. 
Um, so you're stranded on a desert island, one hip hop album. You've got yourself. Do you remember the little Sony Discman? Yeah. You've uh, got two batteries, one Sony Discman, a pair of clapped out uh, headphones and one CD, one hip hop CD. Which one's it going to be? That's, that's super unfortunate, man. Mm. Um, whew. You know, it's going to have to be uh, Kanye West graduation. Boom. Yeah. Mm. Mic drop. That's so tough, though. Is it like graduation, late registration, all eyes on me, Pac, Machiavelli? That's tough. That's tough. You did it, though. Yeah. I, okay. I, I if you to. had to have one on your podcast, Takashi69. Is it 69 or 69? Yeah, I'm, I'm unsure. Or I think Bad Barbie. Oh, I would go with Takashi 69. Yeah? No question. Got you. And what questions would you ask him? What would um, be the first thing you'd want to get straight out of the way? Well, I think, I think he's at least talented. Bad Barbie, I think she's not talented. But it's, she's just not for me, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think what I would ask him is, uh, well... It's not just serious action. I was I would just like to just banter with him cuz mm-hmm. I know what he's doing. He's he's just trolling mm-hmm. and he's um doing it in a way. He's 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 capitalized off this generation's um mm. attention span. Mm. And so he really knows how to manipulate that and he's doing a great job for mm-hmm. himself. And so more than anything I would just try to get him to understand that uh the street life that you glorify. One we all understand that you're not a gangster. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever met a street cat, like that ain't you. Mm. Two, um, it's not even cool to be that. Mm. Honestly, like I remember thinking it used to be as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's not. It's not cool to be the toughest. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not advantageous for anybody. Your career. I mean, you mm-hmm. saw the kind of. Tr- I mean, I don't know if it's staged or not, but like you mm-hmm. saw the kind of trouble that can happen. Like yep. you end up putting a target on your chest for no reason. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is a scary game in that in that essence, mm-hmm. it, it, where um, the things you say can actually put your life or the people you love like okay. in jeopardy. So, uh, I mean, continue what you're doing as far as promoting your music because you are you have the platform now, so you don't no more need for the antics. I know mm-hmm. that you don't really need it anymore. So. Um, go just get your money, save your money, watch the people that are around you. So I would just try to give him some little OG life advice. Life man. advice, yeah. straight up, wicked. Yeah. Talking about life advice, what is next for you? So you say there's potential tour coming up. Mm-hmm. You're working on a new music project. Mm-hmm. What else are we to expect from you in the next six uh, to nine months? Yeah, I mean the podcast is is, is continuously now. Growing. What pod? Yeah, you got to come on. Yeah, I will be. I'll be coming on. All right. Oh, yeah, to lay the smack down. For sure. I'll be Uh, in the hot seat this time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's that's growing. Um, I got some some film things that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And hopefully some of these additions fall through. That's a a slow grind. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, man, just enjoying and creating. I think that's 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 my life. I'm 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 dabbling. I'm doing my best to to stay consistent in my math classes. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm just out of town so much, it's hard to stay consistent. But, um, yeah, I'm still in love with science and physics, and so I'm still going to pursue that. It's just a, it's just a matter of getting the time to do so. Get it, brother. I'm trying to do it, man. Arian, thank you so much for joining us on Slay Sunday. If you haven't heard it, Flamingo and Koval is fire. <laughs> so good. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the love always. Thank you so much. Yes, man, my pleasure.